Hi, this is Aaron, and you are listening to the WP Square One podcast. And my name is Micah Wood, and with us today, we have a special guest, the co-founder and CEO of Web Dev Studios, Brad Williams. Welcome, Brad. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time. I'm sure you're busy, so... Eh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you, you, you uh, fake people, fake people out, and you look busy. Hey, I'm very good at projecting whatever I need to look like online. That's the easy part, right? <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, tell us a little about uh, what you do, who you are, and what your company does. Sure. So uh, like you said, I'm Brad Williams. I founded a company called Web Dev Studios uh, almost 11 years ago. We had our 10-year anniversary last year, and we're a 100% focused WordPress design and development agency. So WordPress is the only platform we build on. We certainly integrate with a lot of other platforms and services, uh, but WordPress is our bread and butter. So been having a lot of fun working with WordPress for the last decade plus and, uh, and you know, no signs of slowing down. So it's been great. That's cool. What, uh, what led you into web development and uh, I guess specifically WordPress? Um, I got into web development a long time ago, back in like the 90s when the internet first started kind of taking off. Mid 90s, I was in high school, just, you know, tinker around with HTML. I think I launched like an angel fire, you know, quote unquote website to with a couple of random pages to show my friends at school. Uh, but it definitely, you know, got the got piqued my interest. Right. Like I always like the Internet. Once I got onto the Internet, I always kind of saw the potential back then. You know, it was very not a lot of people were on um, It's mostly like chat rooms and stuff. Um, but uh, that, that really got me interested in the Internet and the Web. And I just kind of took it from there. So I've been doing ever since then, I've taken any class I could take. I would read any book I could read, you know, um, dig through you know, all sorts of online forums, which were much bigger back then, um, just to learn everything I could, because there weren't as many resources, obviously, as there are today. Um, you know, my, my school didn't have like programming classes, you know, this is all very new stuff. I think they just started like a typing class, um, you know, around the middle of high school. But um, so I knew I wanted to be in the Internet. Um, wasn't exactly sure how I ended up going to the Marine Corps, joined the Marine Corps after high school. Um, was never big into school. Like I, you know, the, the stuff I enjoyed, like computers and tech was like, I, I would ace them in my sleep, everything else I was miserable at. <laughs> so, uh, I decided maybe I shouldn't go right into college cause it didn't sound exciting, but I didn't want to sit around. So I actually became, believe it or not, a programmer in the Marine Corps. So I let the Marines teach me how to program, um, even more. So did my four year tour, got out, um, and, uh, got a job at a, a large e-commerce company. Worked there four or five years, and then once I felt like I had um, kind of enough, a, bit, a little bit of an establishment in a career, um, learned the ropes a little bit more about online and business, um, decided to start Web Dev Studios in 2008. Um, you know, traditional startup. Like looking back, it was insane. Like I had, we had no clients lined up. Really didn't have a lot of savings, like a couple thousand dollars. And I picked up my whole life from Indiana, moved to New Jersey to start Web Dev Studios with my partner sold my house, you know, moved to like, moved into his loft and stuff. So kind of went all in, um, a little bit naive about it, but it actually worked out. So even though like the, the entire economy was kind of taking a downturn, what we saw was people, um, looking to invest in different ways, right? Cause the stock market was crashing. The housing market was crashing. The economy just wasn't doing good. So people were like investing in, maybe I should invest in this random idea. I've had random website I've wanted, 
you know, companies were looking to invest in different ways. And that's really how we got to start. A lot of people were coming in the door, even though the economy wasn't that good. Um, and just kind of grew it from there and uh, really got a passion for open source. Um, with Drupal, we worked with a lot of Drupal, WordPress, Zencart, Magento, some other stuff, Joomla even. Um, just really like the philosophies behind open source. Um, and ultimately kind of honed in on WordPress just because it's what we enjoyed using the most. It's, it felt the most intuitive for us. It felt the most intuitive for our clients. Um, so we switched to WordPress 100% in 2010. Um, and we haven't looked back. It's been the best decision we've ever made. We've been busy ever since. Um, and like I said, it's no, no signs of slowing down. So it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Nice. I have like a million questions for you, I think. Yeah, that was long. That was like my whole life story right there. So yeah, like, kind of curious being the geek that I am, uh, what type of programming stuff did you do in the military? So I went to, so when you're in the military, everybody goes through, or at least the Marines, it was pretty similar, all, all the branches. Everyone goes through boot camp. Obviously, you graduate boot camp, you're a Marine at that point. Then you go to like Marine combat training, which is some additional training kind of out in the, the field, they call it, out in the woods or wherever you're at for a few weeks. And then you go to your specialty school, and that's where they teach you your job, right? So in this case, I went to 29 Palms, California, which is, um, I'm not a big fan of the desert. It's just straight desert out there. There's like nothing. Um, so it was hot and miserable, but we went out there for programming school for a few months and they taught us two languages. We, they taught us Ada, which most people haven't heard of. And I hadn't heard of before I joined, but it was a, uh, um, big, uh, very popular, uh, language with the military and with the government. Um, it's actually, it's most known for programming like rockets and missiles and stuff. Um, so, but that was already, even at that time, so this is like 99, 2000, even at that time, Ada was, nobody was really using it. They just hadn't updated the curriculum. So we learned Ada half the time, and then we learned Visual Basic 6, which was also a little bit behind the times, because I think that came out around 96 or 7, something like that. But what it did teach us is um, the commonalities of programming, right? Which is just understanding things like conditional statements and arrays and loops and case statements and variables, you know, and all these things that are common no matter what language you use. So it kind of laid that foundation. And then after school, that's when you get sent to your duty station, which is generally where you stay, you know, for two or three or four years. And at that point, they were using Lotus Domino. Do you guys remember Lotus Notes and Lotus Domino? It was big for a while. Um, I didn't know much about it. We learned it when we were there. And I think it's kind of died off, or at least you don't hear much about it anymore. But, um, you know, government's always a little bit behind, a little bit behind technology. So that was kind of the same for me. Yeah, I mean, that, that was before like exchange and all that stuff really took off. So, I mean, IBM was the, uh, I guess, enterprise, you know, company. Um, so that's, that's interesting. So you went programming. Um, so when you started Web Dev Studios, uh, were you the, uh, you were two people, right? And so you, you were the, were you the more tech, tech savvy it was uh, myself and Brian Messlinger, the other co-founder. We were both back-end developers. I mean, we actually met in the Marines. We met at school in the Marines. That's where we met. So we we're both back-end devs. So um, that posed an immediate challenge because we didn't have that design eye. Um, we weren't designers. You know, we could build. Well, we felt like we could build anything in the world um, from the functionality standpoint, but from a, a visual UX UI, just you know, pretty standpoint, it looked terrible, <laughs> like most developers do. Um, so that was early on. We realized that's something we needed to, our first hire was a designer, um, cause we had to fill that gap, you know? 
Um, so, and it was funny because obviously open source, uh, generally speaking, uh, tends to use open source technology. So WordPress, for example, uses, you know, PHP. Um, but that's, we came from more of a Microsoft. We actually went from Lotus Domino kind of into Microsoft into classic ASP and ultimately into .NET. So we came from this kind of proprietary, um, environments, technologies over into open source where it was all about more things like PHP, but it really wasn't too big of a jump because I don't know if you guys remember classic ASP, um, a lot of similarities with PHP, you know, it's kind of a scripting language or at the time it was a script scripting language. Um, so that transition was, was fairly smooth, just learning some different syntax. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, you quickly learn when you start a business, you quickly learn what you're not good at. And that's what you got to figure out. How do we fill those gaps? So, so we can be good at that, whatever that particular need is that, that people are looking for. In this case, for us, it was design. I think Micah should start designing. I think that'd be yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that would be beautiful. <laughs> I have the first, uh, we have a page on our website. If you go to, well, webdevstudios.com and we have an about section. And under there, it, there's a history, webdevstudios.com slash about slash history. And if you check that out, it's got, we have uh, screenshots and a bit of a timeline of the company. It's got uh, screenshots of what our homepage looked like throughout the years. And the first couple iterations, you can tell I, you know, a developer design these, right? Like I, I design these sites. Like the second one's awful. It looks like a hosting company. Like I put a bunch of servers on it. I was like, this looks so cool. And everyone's like, are you hosting or what do you like? Why are all these servers on the homepage? But I thought they were like amazing at the time, but looking back they're they're so hideous. <laughs> I love that page though, just to see the ev evolution of our site. And you can actually see when designers started to show up and make things look a little better. Nice. Now, now I'm totally distracted and I'm looking at <laughs> because, because I mean, I, I started kind of like, I started in 96 um, and I learned, started learning PHP in 2000, 2001. And, you know, it was kind of like um, resources weren't out there. Uh, I would go into, I'd go to Barnes and Noble uh, and buy a PHP book. And that's, that's kind of how I, I learned. So, I mean, some somewhat similar path, you yeah. know, I have a business partner too. And, I always say this, everyone likes to learn differently. Like you, you, all three of us probably like to, we'd like retain knowledge in a different way. We prefer, right? like some people like to read books. Some people like to dig into articles online. Some people would rather like a video tutorial. Some people need to be like in a classroom environment. And we all just, it's just whatever our preferences and how we like to learn. Books were a biggie for me early on. And also like I mentioned the message boards, like I, like my really, when I truly started to understand like like actual web development that included like database driven websites and stuff like that. It was because of forums and site. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with site point. That was where I started. It was actually called something different back then. Um, I think it was called like webmaster base or something. Um, but they had a, a pretty active like web development design forum. Um, and I spent years in there, like going from just asking questions and learning to at some point I started to answer more questions than I was asking. I ended up being a moderator for a number of years and, uh, won like the a classic ASP guru award in a couple of years, which I guess isn't that cool anymore since that's like a dead language. But, um, you know, that was a biggie for me. And you think about it now, like forums aren't, they're not dead and they're still out there, but they're just not as big, I think, of a part of learning, at least of the tech field as they used to be. You just don't see them as often, you know? True. Yeah. I remember uh, when I first got started, I was in, uh, in the SEO space. And I was going to make a name for myself in SEO. And that's exactly what I did. I'd go to the forums and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know a whole lot necessarily. I'd read a book, a really good book, but 
that was about it. So I just started going and answering as many questions as I could. And I started, uh, you know, following the questions I didn't know the answer to. And, uh, yeah, I, I ended up being so prolific. I landed my first client that way. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great way to, it still is like forums and they're, they've evolved a bit, right? Like you have things like Quora where it's more like a Q and a, but that's just a extension of a forum. You know, it's just somebody asking a question, people answering. The only difference is there's easier ways to kind of highlight the, the, the best answer, the accepted answer or whatever. Um, but it, you know, if you think about it, I've, I've thought about this in the past about how forums and kind of being public about your learning through forums, because everything you're publishing, you know, if your public forum is public. So putting yourself out there and saying, Hey, I don't know how to do X. Can somebody help me? I think that's, what's actually triggered the whole passion for open source, because it's kind of similar, right? Open source is about giving back, putting yourself out there, opening up your code, sharing, helping each other. And it's intimidating to do that, right? It's intimidating to put code out there and say, Hey, look what I built. Anybody could use this on GitHub or something. Um, and just to wait for that first piece of feedback where someone's like, well, this is garbage. <laughs> Why'd you do it this way? You know, but I think by, by being so open and out there in the forums, um, I was already un unknowingly like, you know, like getting through that, that weirdness of putting myself out there. So by the time I got into open source, it just felt natural. Like, of course, I don't mind writing a blog post about how to do X, Y, Z, even if maybe I'm wrong, because that's some of the quickest way to figure out if you're wrong is to put it out there <laughs> unless somebody tell you, you know, so, um, yeah, inadvertently, I think I, I, I pushed myself into open source, you know, through forums, which I think is kind of cool if you if you think about it. Yeah, and you've um, you've co-authored a few books yourself, correct? Yes, so I uh, co-authored the professional WordPress series, professional WordPress design development, and then we did a plugin book as well. We've done three different versions of the first one, um, which is really due for an update, especially with all the new stuff that's come out recently, but. Uh, that, again, another way of kind of putting yourself out there. I, that that's definitely probably the most nervous I've been in the in the WordPress space is, you know, writing a book. You know, it needs to be accurate. It needs to be factual. It's a technology book. It's not like an opinion piece or a, a sci-fi novel. This is like a factual. This is how you do it. Book. Um, and the first one um, I wrote in two thousand nine, and again, this is you know a decade ago. There wasn't as much out there on WordPress. Like the, you think of all the various documentation and resource sites and stuff available. Really, the only thing that would existed back then was the codex and it's a wiki. So you kind of had to take that with, you know, a, a little bit of skepticism just because it says something doesn't mean it's necessarily right. So like trying to find out some of these things and writing on topics that I didn't even know until I had to write about them was very intimidating. Um, and then to put out this book and say, here it is, the definitive guide to how to write, like develop, code WordPress, um, was scary. Um, you know, ultimately it was a great, great book, great series of books we wrote, you know, it's got, it still has like four and a half stars or something on Amazon to this day, people still buy it. And it's still, you know, by and large, still pretty accurate. It's just missing stuff that, that didn't exist back then, you know? So, um, again, that was kind of another good exercise and just kind of putting yourself out there, you know, doing the best you can. And if you made mistakes then own up to it and fix it the next time around. Yep. So I, yeah, I ended up, uh, I forget what time frame it was. I actually discovered your book. I had been doing development for a while oh, and, cool. uh, had actually, uh, you know, kind of been learning things the hard way. Google this, Google that, figure it out. And then, uh, I think I found your book. And by the time I found the book, I, I was relatively familiar with most stuff, but there were definitely some sections in there. I was like, yes, this is awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great resource because it's got, a, it, you know, it has it all in one spot. Right. And I still use it from time to time. I'll pull up the PDF because, you know, people think that 
developers that know how to build with whatever system that they just have all that knowledge, like that they can get to it on the drop of a dime. And there are people out there like that, but it's not common, right? Like we can't remember all this stuff, but we know where to find it. You know, we have a rough idea of what we're looking for. Right. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard it like it, you know, anyone technology is, is probably, you know, excels at Google, right? Cause that's what we do. We find, we don't always have the answer, but we know how to find it. We know how to look it up, you know, to sift through the garbage till we find the right answer and how to implement that, you know, into what we're doing. So, you know, same type of thing. It's a great resource um, for people. You can read it top to bottom, or you can just flip right to the section you need to know about. Um, definitely something I'd like to dust off and, and look at doing a new edition for soon with Gutenberg out the door finally. So you, um, so you mentioned obviously that you like to learn with books. So what, what basically caused you to decide to like help write a book? It was a little bit, it, it wasn't like something I had on my list of things I wanted to do, like this big kind of, you know, pie in the sky list of, of, you know, whatever goals for, for myself and my career. Um, it was really kind of random. Like I remember Matt Mullenweg, he put out a blog post about it. Like, Hey, Wiley's looking for some authors. If you're interested, contact, uh, Carol and had her information. I thought, why not? Like I just shot her an email and said, Hey, I'd love to, this is what I got. I'd been blogging on my site pretty regularly, uh, for a few years at that point. Um, not so much these days, but back then I was, I had a lot of like, you know, I, basically as I was learning things, I was writing about it. Hey, this is how you do X, Y, Z in WordPress, or are you trying to do this? This is how you do it. I was just writing about it for my own knowledge and to share. Um, and that's really all it took. Like I showed that to her and she's like, great, here, talk to this guy. He's leading it up. Um, and then they, we, I got signed on to it and away we went. So I, I really just kind of right place at the right time. I threw my hat in the ring. I don't know how many people I was up against, <laughs> but <Right. laughs> You know, the David Howell and myself wrote the first edition and uh, it, it went really well. It was definitely a big learning experience, like writing and having deadlines. And it took a lot of work. Like I said, I had to research so much stuff um, and make sure that it was the, the absolute best that I could make it at the time um, because I didn't want to put out something that was obviously, you know, terrible or incorrect or, or just garbage because that would reflect badly on me and reflect badly on the company. Um. And it's worked out good. It's worked out really well. So it was, it was a fun, a fun ride for sure. Nice. So tell us a little bit about kind of your, uh, your journey from building a technology, uh, you know, agency essentially from being a developer to now CEO. How's that different? Yeah, well, I don't develop really anymore. So that's the biggest difference. So <laughs> um, there definitely comes a time like when you, when, it, it, it all depends on your goals. Right. And I've, Talk, I talk to people about this quite a bit. Like when you sit, when you, when you start a company, you may not have all the goals. You just want to make it work somehow. Right. But as it matures a little bit, you got to start thinking like, what am I, what am I doing here? Right. Like is, do we want to stay small? Do we want to stay a couple, couple people? Do we want to get a little bit bigger? Do we want to get massive? Like what's the goal? Um, and our goal, we did want to grow, right. You know, back when we started um, and even when we started to grow, there weren't a lot of agencies that specialized in WordPress. There was literally just a handful. Um, and as we started to grow, we, we quickly realized, oh, we're kind of one of the larger agencies that focuses in WordPress, you know, and I, you know, at the time I was like, that's great. You know, I like kind of being thought of as, as one of the larger agencies, you know, maybe more successful or working with bigger brands and stuff. Um, but then ultimately, you know, we determined the goal wasn't to be like a thousand people or even hundreds of people. Like we liked having a larger group, but also a, a somewhat intimate, you know, we're 30 people strong. Some people will say, wow, that's really big. Other people will say, no, it's not that big, you know, and ultimately in the grand scheme of the internet and companies that build websites, it's not that big. We're a small company, you know? Um, so 
there there came a time when we got of a certain size where it was more valuable for me to run the company as a CEO than it was for me to be writing code. You know, and that that I think anybody that starts to grow a company beyond a few people, you're going to come up with that. You're going to come up to that line, and you're going to have to make a decision. Like, am I? Do I want to run this company, continue to grow it, continue to work with clients and processes, and work with the team, um, and really like drive this, steer this boat as the CEO or the captain of the ship, or do I want someone else to do that, and I will, I will, you know, continue to do what I do, be a developer, maybe more like a CTO, whatever that looks like. Um, and I was okay with that. Like, I felt like at the time and my age and where I was going, like. I was okay with kind of taking a step back because honestly, every developer at the company at that time was better than me. And that was by, that was on purpose. You know, they should be the best of the best. And that's what we wanted. So I was already probably the weakest developer on the team. So I don't want to hold the team back. And I think I am, you know, I was better suited and still am to run the company forward and drive it forward. So it's just a, a conversation I kind of have to have with yourself um, of where you want to be. And, and you see this a lot with developers over time, over their careers. At some point, you're going to kind of hit the ceiling with the company you're at, whether it's your own company or work somewhere else. You're going to kind of hit the ceiling of where you can go as a dev. Um, and then you have to make the decision, am I comfortable staying here? Do I want to maybe move to a bigger company that has a higher ceiling as an engineer or developer? Or maybe do I want to take that leap and go into more of a management, um, the management side of the house? And it's different for everybody. It's just something you got to kind of go through pros and cons and figure out what, what you want to do and what's going to make you happiest. So. Um, but that's that's a choice I made, and you know I haven't looked back. It's been great. Yeah, my understanding is that uh, <clears throat> making that transition, at least for some of the people I've talked to, has been kind of difficult because you go from being a you know kind of you know isolated individual, and then having to deal with a lot of people issues. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so how how was that? <laughs> like, was that an easy transition for you, or no? I mean, honestly, like one of the you know one of the I were I is worse the right word I guess one of the worst parts of the job is kind of the dealing with like like personnel issues um, maybe you know coworkers like not working well together or you know things like that that you just you have to deal with them but it just feels like it's just something you just like it just shouldn't exist right I just wish this this like whatever drama didn't exist and it's it's taking my focus away from the more important stuff but it's the more people you have, the more you grow, you're going to, you're going to run into it. You're going to run into issues that you never expected. Um, whatever it may be, things will happen that you couldn't have even predicted and you have to be ready to, you know, figure it out. And ultimately, especially when you're at the top, like it's, you know, you're going to make those decisions and you have to stand by them and you have to live with it. Right. So, um, you have to, you know, it's, it's a hard job because you have to sometimes make the tough decisions that maybe not everybody at the company agree with. Um, or maybe it's a decision, just a, a, t a tough call. Like, I mean, the worst thing you have to do is let people go, right? Like, like firing somebody is the worst thing in the world, but, um, you know, I do it and I've done it and it's just part of the job. And if you're not, um, if you're not able to do something like that, then you shouldn't be in that position because I always remind myself, like I make these tough decisions to make this company successful. Cause we have 30 individuals at our company that, we support and we have 30 families that we support, you know, so multiply that 30 by however many. Um, and, and if for some reason I don't make the decisions that are best for the company, I could end up ruining the company. And, and all of a sudden I've destroyed, you know, the careers of 30, you know, plus families. Um, and that's, that makes it much easier <laughs> to, to, to make those hard decisions. Cause you just have to keep that in mind. I'm doing what's best for the company. what's best for the, my team. 
um, and their families. And sometimes that is, that is making those tough decisions. So it gets easier, I think with, uh, experience and over time, but it never is easy. It's all good advice. So I had to make that decision of, do I need to write, do I, should I continue to write code or should I, um, run the company? And that's, that's difficult. That's a weird thing. Cause I really enjoy being a geek. Um, you know, but it's hard to hire somebody that has the ideas and visions that, you know, that I have. Um, so, you know, making, making those decisions are kind of, kind of difficult. A good example, look at, uh, Jason Cohen over at WP engine, you know, he was the founder of the company, really grew it from kind of a startup to act, you know, a legit, like real player in the hosting space for WordPress to manage hosting space. Um, and there you go, this <laughs> the WP engine mug. Um, and you know, ultimately he, he decided that his passion is on the technology side, not the, the CEO kind of administrative side and made the decision to bring in, you know, a CEO, Heather, uh, to run the companies and he became CTO. So he could focus on what was his passion and where he felt he was, his value was best for the company. And I, and I think that is a, a perfect example of somebody making that hard decision of, I know I started this company, but it doesn't mean I need to be at the very top. He's still obviously an executive officer. He's still, uh, or, or a C-level officer. He's still, you know, very much in charge, but he's focused on what he's passionate about, um, which is the technology side of the house. And I thought, uh, obviously, that was the right call because that was years ago. And now they're this huge company that has, you know, has a whole building in Austin. So they're doing amazing. So, um, but I think, you know, I, I look at that as a really good example of someone who had that conversation with themselves and realized this isn't the best spot for me. So let me get to where I'm, I'm, I'm valued. My value is the best to make this company succeed and let somebody else run that part of the house. So makes sense to me. So shifting gears slightly, but still sticking with your story, Micah, you want to hit them up with the big question? So if you were to, if you were to start over again today, what would you do differently? Going off of the uh, WP Square One, right? If you start back at Square One, what would you do different? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think most of the things I would do the same. And I don't think there's like one big, just, just, you know, this is like just coming off the top of my head. I can't think of one massive thing I would do differently. There are smaller, I say smaller, there's still big, big, big decisions, but not like company directional decisions. One thing I know we did way too late was hire project managers. Um, you know, we were five years in probably before we hired a project manager. Like I was actually PMing at one point. My wife was project managing at one point. She basically said, if, if we want to stay married, we can't, I'm not, <laughs> I can't project manage the projects that you're on. So uh, that was an eye opener. Like, okay, maybe we should get some professionals in here that know how to project manage. So when we hired our first project manager, it's a scary thought, right? This at the time, kind of the way we looked at it was, you know, mostly unbillable, you know, we've changed that stance and now it's a, it's a pretty much billable role. But at the time we were like, Oh, this is unbillable. They're not devs. They're not like writing zeros and ones. So how do we charge people? You know, it, are we going to have enough money to afford them? And within like a week or two, we we're like, wow, we should have done this years ago. Cause it was like night and day. Like our, our, what actually happened was our, our projects got more successful. The clients were happier. Our retention rate went up. Our, developers were happier because it was less chaos. It was more organized, you know, just satisfaction across the board went up with our company and with our clients. And so it was quickly, we realized like, this is something we should have done a long time ago. We just always felt like we could do it because that's what we did from the start, you know? And, and honestly, like, I mean, we were like passing spreadsheets back and forth with clients of tasks. Like, imagine that, like, here's, 
here's everything I did today, like 15 <laughs> lines in a spreadsheet. <laughs> and they come back with like feedback on each line. And uh, it was wild. Um, so that that's one that definitely sticks in my mind is that, you know, those non-build roles, those PMs are vital um, to making a, a project successful and ultimately making your clients happy. And if your clients are happy, you, 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 know, you keep that retention rate up. You, you know, the, our best clients are the ones we've had for years and we've done numerous projects for, and we know both sides know each other inside and out. We know how we work and we really, you know, really uh, jive together because we just understand each other. Um, it's so much easier to get new work from existing clients than to, to bring in new clients. So that's, that's a biggie. I think as, as project manage, management, get somebody to manage those projects and know what they're doing early. Um, and it'll, it'll end up paying for itself and you can bill for that. I didn't really think about it at the time, but it's absolutely a billable thing, but clients need it as much as your team needs it. So sell them on it because they should be paying for that. Yeah. We kind of include that in our, our, our scope. We, you know, have a certain amount of, you know, percentage for project management. And that is, well, I guess we hired a developer first. That was our, our first thing. And the second hire was a, a project manager. Uh, just because I'm not good at it. Um, you know, I'd rather have someone that's a little uh, better with uh, shaking hands, smiling, and, you know, I'm a little more uh, rough around the edges, I guess, is what I'm sure people have said worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, to hire, hire PM early is is a great move for sure. And I, I tell a lot of, you know, uh, agencies, big and small, like if they're asking for advice, that's a big, if you don't have PMs, get them. They're worth it. Yeah, that's the thing too, though. I think uh, if you're lucky enough to have done it, you don't realize that you dodged a bullet. But then, you know, if you didn't do it, then like you said, yeah, you don't realize until you do it. <laughs> yeah, you don't realize until it's there and you're like, oh, wow. So that's how that's how you create an agenda before the call. And that's how you send out a meeting recap. And that's how you hold both sides accountable to what was agreed on and timelines and deadlines and things are getting on the door on time. And, and there's less friction with the client if something's delayed, you know, so... Um, yeah, it just, it just, it, it, it put us in a professional bracket. I think prior, I think that's when we first, I really looked at us as really across the board, you know, a professional agency versus just kind of winging it and figuring it out as we go. That's when we really took that leap forward. Any other, uh, intentional or possibly strokes of luck that, uh, <laughs> that you wouldn't trade for anything? I mean, there's always luck, right? I think whenever a business is successful, like I mentioned at the beginning, the timing with us starting the company and, you know, not knowing it, like you don't know you're in a recession, like when 2008 hit, you know, things were going down, but nobody quite knew what it meant and didn't realize how severe it was until, you know, kind of 2009. Then it was like, oh my God, like companies are going bankrupt. Like there's bailouts, you know, like the, you know, everyone's foreclosing on their houses and, and that's what I'm like trying to sell my house, you know? So, but at the time it looked, it didn't look great and it only seemed to get worse. But ultimately I do think that that was what helped this company like make it is, was all of that, you know? So as odd as it sounds, and I, if, if that all happened again, I don't know if it'd be the same because the internet was very different 10 years ago, you know? So I don't, I don't know. Like, it's hard to predict if we were going to another recession, if that would be a good or I, I, my expectation would be, it would be bad. Right. But who knows? So, you know, some luck there for sure. I think, you know, um, the, the move to go all WordPress in 2010, it might sound like a no brainer now, but remember 2010, like custom post types didn't exist, you know, like multi-site was still a separate thing. Like this is like when WordPress was actually a blogging platform. So it was risky for us to do that. Even though we were building more than just blogs at the time, we we're really 
really bending WordPress to do things that it could do, but it wasn't necessarily built to do, right? Like everything was, all right, if you put it in this category, then it will load something different. You know, it was very intense the way you had to bend WordPress to get to do what you wanted to do back then. So it was risky, but it quickly paid off because it focused our message. We're WordPress. That's what we do. We're not trying to be everything to everybody. We do WordPress, you know, hundred percent. And, and, you know, with the growth of WordPress about 2000, between 2010 and probably 12, it just really started to take off and really became like a legit CMS. Um, and we were right there at the start. So yeah, there was definitely luck. And I think there always, there always has to be a little bit of luck anytime you start a company, like in any industry. Um, but you just have to do it. Like I said, I think that's an easy, it's the easy thing to say, right? Like everyone's like, just do it, just get out there and do it. But like I, the only way, the only reason I made it work is because I did dive in head first. I didn't just dip my toe in while I kept my full-time job, my cushy job in my house in Indianapolis. You know, I quit my job. I sold my house. I went to move, you know, a 2,200 square foot house. I went to move into the loft with my buddy. It was like resetting my life at like 28, you know, moving to a different state where I only knew one person. But if I didn't do that, I don't think this would have ever happened. You know, I don't think it would have worked. So sometimes if you're truly passionate about it, like just do it is, is good advice. Just jump in head first because then there is no other option except for success. And you know that, you know that. So it's true. Yeah. It reminds me of my favorite Ron Swanson quote. So never half ass anything. You should always whole ass, <laughs> whole ass <with> one thing. <laughs> Ron Swanson is a, is a, is a very smart man. And he's got a lot of great quotes. <laughs> I think we should end on that quote. <laughs> perfect quote. Well, how, uh, how can uh, people find you if we want to uh, get in touch with you? Definitely check out our website, webdevstudios.com. For the devs out there, we have a really, really great blog. Like I'm really proud of the content we produce because it's, um, again, another way that we like to give back is we allow our engineers time to actually you know, pick topics that interest them, maybe some new technologies they're playing with, maybe existing technologies and how they're using them differently. But there's some amazing content and we're pumping out articles every single every single week. So um, if you're a dev, if you're an agency owner, like there's really great stuff out there for you. It's not just like promotional stuff. Um, and on Twitter, I am Williams BA. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you both. Glad to be here. It was a fun show. Mm-hmm.